Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. And you know, on, on this kind of day, I, I've kind of, uh, I don't want to get like too political. Hopefully I don't get too political today. This is a little bit of a different message for me, uh, but I just really feel that I want to lean into this for a little bit. It's only going to be about 15, 20 minutes, then we're going to sing again. And I've called it, how do we really make a nation great again? How do we really make a nation great again? Because when, when you hear that phrase, make a nation great again, what does it conjure up in your mind? It conjures up, it conjures up a whole load of rhetoric And Theodore Roosevelt, uh, President of the US, he said this, rhetoric is a poor substitute for action. If we're really to be a great nation, we must not merely talk, we must act big. And the problem with this whole phrase, make the nation great again, is our understanding of the word great. Because often when we hear the word great, what politicians often mean is let's make us wealthy again. Let's make sure that we're wealthy again, that we go up the ladder and others go down. And actually, the other problem with that phrase is make the nation great again, as if it used to be, and now it's not. Now, listen, I'm going to make a statement about America. I love America. I love Americans. If you're from America, please don't stone me or or email me. But if you're a person of colour and you live in the USA, when do you want to go back in history to when that nation was great? 1753? 1853, 1953, I'm not sure. The problem with many of us is that when we think about going back to greatness, we've lost the sight of what greatness is about. And greatness in God's sight, the shalom that God wants, is not back, it's forward. It's something we've got to move into, not that we go back to. And, and, and this, is the, this is the problem. And, and even on the retro night on Tuesday, which I loved, by the way, I, I'm sure you knew that by looking at me, I loved doing that. But I made the point time and time again, we are not going back. We're not going back to the good old days, which weren't that good anyway. And greatness is greatness, how God defines it, not how we define it through nostalgia and through self-interest. And actually, Martin Luther King put it so well, Junior, when he said this, ultimately, a great nation, oh Lord, please, is a compassionate nation, is a compassionate nation. Uh, Jonathan Sachs was a Jewish rabbi. And of course, we think about Israel right now, don't we? With all that's going on in Israel, our hearts go out to, again, nations tearing themselves apart. He says, giving is what makes a nation great. Not getting, not hoarding, not possessing, but giving, being compassionate. That's acting, not just talking big. And I want to say to those of you that this is part of your church, you're part of Life Central, thank you so much for your giving last Sunday. We're still counting it. We don't know how much it is, but you've given so generously to above and beyond. And what that means is that we then, you've given above so that now we can go with God's power and mercy beyond where we could go. And we are so grateful to you for that. And if you haven't yet given and you want to, go to the connection point and we can help you do that, okay? And we will feed back to you in the next few weeks how that's kind of gone. But I want to just, just briefly take you to a couple of verses in the Bible. And there's a, the heart of Paul when he writes much of the New Testament. Paul was a guy that, he was a Jew. Uh, he hated Jesus and he hated Jesus' followers. He was a religious leader who hated Jesus, okay? But then his life got turned around when he had an encounter with him. 
as many of our lives have been turned around as well. And then he planted lots of churches and wrote lots of letters to these churches. And he wrote a letter to a church at Ephesus. Uh, so it's in Ephesians chapter 4. And just, just listen to this and just let these words hit you. As a prisoner for the Lord then, so he's in prison when he's writing this letter, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Now that word worthy literally means that it stands up against, that it's like, it's, it's, it's equal to. In other words, you've been given this life, so live a life that is worthy of what you've been given. And this is the sadness for me when I look sometimes at even our own nation. We've been given so much and yet so often we don't live a life worthy of what we've been given. But that's also true for me as an individual and I suggest for you. Give a life worthy of the calling. And that word calling means divine invitation. It wasn't just like, oh, do you fancy this? It was a divine invitation. God has invited you into a new kind of life. Be com- and this is the great life that he's talking about. Be completely humble and gentle. Wow, that's not greatness, is it? Not in our sight, but it is in God's. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And that word bearing, it means sticking with one another long enough to complete the process. And in the mind of Paul and in the mind of Jesus, see, when Jesus came and Jesus lived and died, when he died on the cross, he broke every barrier, every wall of hostility so that his nation, the church, the great nation can become great again by being a church that is one. No Jew, no Greek, no male, no female, no black, no white, all coming together, all of those barriers broken down, that's greatness. And Paul says, bear with one another, stick with one another long enough to complete the process that I am doing in you. You know, we're a blended family, right? We're a blended family. And you know, in the natural, if you're in a blended family, you know there's a whole load of challenge there, right? You've got it. <laughs> a bit too loud over there. <laughs> or looking around at your family, I'm joking. And you're looking around at each other thinking, okay, we've got to bear with one another because we're family. This is the picture that Jesus has for the church of Jesus Christ, that we're one nation, that we bear with one another in love. And again, in Greek, there's lots of seven or eight different words for love. One of them is philio, um, which is friendship love. One of them is eros, romantic love. But Paul doesn't use that. He uses the supreme word, the word agape, which is the supreme word, the the, the love, the love Jesus had for us on the cross. That's how we're to love one another. Then it goes on to say this. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit. And that word unity is togetherness. It's alignment. It's kind of, it's like we're in this together. We've got each other's backs through the bond of peace. And then he just keeps going at this one word. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over and through all and in all. This is the picture of greatness. That you would be a nation that are so blended and are so one that all of those things that the world creates as barriers, you would use as bridges. How do we do that? I want to give you four words and I haven't fully developed these. I want to develop them in time. So this is just going to give you the headlines. This is how I think we do it. Number one, we listen to people who are not like us. We listen to people who are not like us. We listen to their story without jumping to ideology or nuances or oh yeah, but oh yeah, but we just listen in order to learn. 
Jesus rarely engaged with ideology. He always engaged relationally. In fact, Jesus didn't come to draw lines. He came to draw circles and really big circles that included people who were nothing like him. And the amazing thing about Jesus is that people who were nothing like him liked him. The people that didn't like that were the religious leaders. And so, yes, there are lines, of course, within that. And doesn't mean if there's people in your circle that you approve or affirm or agree. But you don't come to draw lines which divide. You come to draw circles which include. That's the heart of Jesus. And we do that when we listen to people who are not like us. So how is your circle these days? And who in your circle does not look or sound like you? We're going to listen to some stories. The first story we're going to listen to is Sean's story. Take a look. Hi, Sean. How you doing, mate? You all right? Kia ora. Uh, thank That's, you. Kia ora is welcome in New Zealand. Okay. Yeah, and Maori, it's, it's, it's not a drink. <laughs> well, it is a drink, but it's also welcome. Okay. So kia ora, mate. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much. <laughs> so, Sean, when did you first come to the UK? Yeah, so um, I was thinking back about how long it was because I keep thinking it's 20 years. Actually, looking back, it's 22 years okay. now. shows I'm getting older. <laughs> so we, we came over in May of 2001. Mm-hmm. I've clearly lost all my accent, haven't I? No, it's remained, which is great. Yeah. Um, so I hear myself back on recordings and go, yeah, I still sound like a New Zealander, which is great. But it's been 22 years. Yeah, wow. really long time. Yeah. Amazing. Does it feel like a long time? Yeah, I went back at, at Christmas time to visit my parents mm-hmm. and I walked out the airport and thought, I recognise everything, but everything's different. So it was just fantastic going back, and I literally haven't been back for 22 years, wow. 21 and a half, whatever it is then. Mm-hmm. So yeah, everything. So yes, it, it's 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 very weird going back and seeing things totally change, uh, really. So that no, was good. How did you come to be a part of Life Central Church? When did you find sure. us? Sure. Okay. We, we'd felt it was probably about time to move on from where we were, mm-hmm. um, church-wise, and uh, we were looking around. We we knew Hell Zone was quite close to us because mm-hmm. we live in. Northfield, so 10 minutes away or so. Right. So we thought, have a, have a look at churches that are close to us in, anyway. Um, so we we, um, we came along and actually um, it was in the uh, the fire damage building yeah. um, uh, that we came along. And I think, I think it was two services and then the fire happened. But um, that week was when we got to know people. I got to know people loads because I um, came and painted and, and, and helped with technical stuff. Mm. I remember meeting Gareth. Uh, Davies for the first time, um, so yeah, it was a great time to, to meet people. What's it What's it been like living so far from home? So I find it's interesting when people are, um, over here are talking about when they were younger, there was this thing on TV and that thing on TV, and I can't contribute because I just say, yeah, foreigner, mate. I, I don't know what you're talking about, um, kind of deal. So it's those. My wife would say the beaches are too far away. I know that's what she'd say because um, we were literally 25 minutes from the beach. Mm. When I went back to New Zealand, um, realizing things that you'd missed out on um, in terms of like the, the your friends seeing their kids grow up, all that kind of stuff. My family's all across there. Mm. Um, and it was great to, to go back and visit. But that's the kind of thing, a lot of it's to do with family, um, uh, more than anything, family and friends. And it was interesting, I met someone from the church today who, uh, who'd come for the first time today, and she's from New Zealand. But it was cool, because I was talking to her, and she was um, talking about a place that's five minutes from where I was brought up and all that. So of course, you, you come alive a bit in the conversation because of those memories. So it, it's really that. It's more or less the people and the, the, the life that you grown up with mm. and then that's those people aren't around and as mm. much as you say you'll keep in contact 
it's really hard to keep in contact remotely when like you're going to sleep when they're waking up kind of thing. What's really nice um, is the uh, things like it's the Rugby World Cup, so I'm like, yay, the All Blacks, woo, go All Blacks. Proper game, not this jolly football game, guys. Um, so just to be able to cheer them on, it's like a little bit of New Zealand has moved over here um, kind of thing. So. Uh, so yeah, it's been great being here, but at the same time, you realise it's it's there's a bit of your heritage that you're not able to interact with on a regular basis, really. Yeah. Thank you so much for giving up some of your time to speak with us today and no to just share a little bit about about your international journey with us. No worries at I'm all. really grateful. Cool. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks. You know, I want to. I want to say Sean, who's on keys this morning, is our operations director, is one of the hardest working people I've ever met in my life. And the fact that we got to know Sean when we'd had the fire that destroyed our auditorium, we were in this building, which didn't look like this now, it looked, it was terrible, and he came that week to help us paint. And that's testimony to who Sean is. And so I want to honour him today and say, Sean, thank you. But you know, but you know, Sean... Sean went back to New Zealand for the first time just around Christmas because his father was ill and subsequently his father passed away. And we need to listen sometimes because we've all had loss, but when your family are the other side of the world, that's a whole different deal. So can we listen to people who are not like us? And secondly, can we learn from people who are not like us, who don't look or sound like us? You see, I think when it comes to this whole learning thing, people fall into three categories. You're either ready, you're reluctant, or you're resistant. Some people are ready and when you're ready, it means you're curious, you're humble enough to know, hey, I want to learn from you who are not like me. You don't see the world as I do. You don't sound like I do. Your, your story is not the same as mine, but I'm ready because I want to be curious. I want to learn something from you. And I want us to be a church like that, don't you? That is ready, not resistant or reluctant. And, and greatness is connected, I think, to our curiosity and to our willingness to be humble, to actually go down a little bit in order to learn from others who then can lift us up in our understanding. So we're going to learn a little bit from someone else's story. This is Laura's story. Take a look. So when did you first come to the UK? I actually know the date, the 10th of March, okay. 1990. Okay. I arrived at Heathrow Airport. Mm -hmm. I remember what I, were, what I was wearing. I was wearing a long African skirt and a top. And my auntie had given me a really big fair coat that was five times my size. I remember arriving and thinking, wow, this is really cold. And also feeling a sense of loss right. and a culture shock. What was, it, what was it like for you at first? It was, it was very strange, I have to say, really strange, um, because I've never really travelled anywhere. I've lived a very, a very, very sheltered life. Um, I was very young, I was about 20 years old, okay. and for me that was young. Yeah. It felt really strange at first, and I realised that I've got to have to put in a lot of work to really, you know, assimilate and mm -hmm. get used to um, my pathway, my journey. That's such yeah. a formative time in your life. It as was well. really huge. So you've come to the UK yeah. from Ghana yeah. at 20 years old. Yes. And everything that has happened since. Yes. When have you uh, felt out of place? Yes. But when also have you felt at home? At home. 
Good questions, actually. I remember going to church for the first time in London okay. and um, someone asked me, so now that you're here, what would you like to do? I said, oh, I would like to teach English. And he looked at me in a very, very puzzled way. And I thought, why is he looking at me like that? And it only the penny dropped many years afterwards that really it's a bit ambitious mm. to think you can, you know, teach English mm. with a Ghanaian accent. So those sorts of things I had to manoeuvre. I had to learn how to do things differently. Mm. And um, we all know how difficult that can be. And um, it's been a big, massive journey for me. And also working out, um, of course, being a twin, that identity thing yeah. of actually becoming my own person. Because right. my parents did what usually most people would do in, in Accra. They bring the twins up together. So we wore the same clothes, you know, all these things. So it was quite huge. So yeah, I actually don't feel at home in the UK, sadly. And uh, because I, and I've lived here longer than I've lived in Accra, yeah. which makes it even worse because I don't actually feel at home in Accra anymore okay. when I go back. So it's a balance of, okay, what happens now? But how have you found that balance then? Like if you don't feel at home in Ghana, but you're not also feeling all the way at home here? You know, when I go to Accra, I enjoy myself. Mm -hmm. When I'm here, this is home. Right. So when I'm there, that's home. When I'm here, it's home. Home it's, can be more than home, one place. It can be more than more one, one place. place. This is it. This is it. So yeah. So you've you've lived in Ghana. Yeah. You've lived here. Yeah. What what would you say to yeah. encourage us yeah. and to help us embrace yeah. one another? Yeah. For me, being in Light Central, I had a Patricia. Everybody needs a Pat Patricia Evans okay. in their lives. Okay. So she was like a spiritual mum and a practical mum to me. And um, she held everything together for me and my children. So um, what I would leave with um, the church is, it's not what you do, it's how you make people feel. It doesn't have to be that difficult. Sitting next to somebody who doesn't, you don't even know if it's their first time in church, easy say hello how are you that goes such a long way you know and with that i don't think we can go wrong i don't think we can go wrong that's amazing so, yeah. i love that it doesn't take these big grand gestures no. actually it can just start with it's hello simple. that's very great. simple laura i've loved chatting with oh, you. oh i love chatting with you too <laughs> Debs. thank you great. so much thank you thank you for having me that's all right my pleasure So good. I didn't realise before I saw that video that Laura's going to talk about Patricia. As many of you know, Patricia was my mum. And uh, what do we learn from that? We learn that it doesn't matter what you do, she said, it's how you make people feel. What an incredible thing to say. Uh, and maybe some of us can think about that. How do we make people who are not like us, who are not, you know, don't look or sound like us, how do we make them feel? Not just what do we do, but how do we make them feel? So, so we can listen, we can learn. But number three, we've got to lament. And lament is an old word. And, and, and it's, it's a word that we don't use very often, it's, it, it's, a, it's about grieving. The Bible is super clear that we're meant to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn or grieve with those who mourn and grieve. So when something happens and it's race related, please don't jump to ideology, words, terminology, let's get the data, let's get the fact. We need to learn what it is to grieve with those who grieve. 
Just a while ago, I was chatting to um, a young lady who grew up in this church and away at university now, and, and, and we often met and would talk, have coffee, and would often talk about what's happening um, in, in her world, uh, African by origin, and we were talking about George Floyd and all of that had happened, and, and, and she's very exercised about all that, and then, and then she went. And um, I sent her a message saying, oh, it was great to catch up with you. And, and it's great to hear that things are kind of better with the whole race thing. And then she said, on the way back from meeting you for coffee, I was on the bus. And somebody asked for my phone and I wouldn't give it to him. So he spat at me. And then verbally, racially abused me. So I had to get off the bus. That was after I'd had the coffee, feeling, oh, things are much better now, aren't they? And my response in that, our response in that is not to say, oh, but, oh, but, oh, but, but just to lament just to stand with those who are grieving. And you might not understand it or get it, but that, I believe, is the call of a blended family that makes a family great. Can we lament with those who are going? Can we grieve with those who are grieving? And finally, number four, we've got to live with one another. And that's exciting, right? Can we live with one another who don't look or sound like us? That's the beauty, I believe, and the joy of the church Coretta Scott King, who was Martin Luther King Jr.'s wife, said the greatness of a community is most accurately measured by the compassionate actions of its members. Not how we think, but what we do. So I want to finish, okay, and then we're going to worship again and we're going to do something which I believe is going to be so hopefully meaningful and powerful today and prophetic as well for us as a church. But let me give you a few practical things of what you can do. Number one, talk to people who don't look or sound like you. And you've got a great opportunity to start today. Because at the end of today, you go get tea and coffee and cake. And wouldn't it be amazing if we talk to people who don't look like us? And you've got people in a national dress. There's a great opportunity to go and say, hey, what, what is that country you're from? And great to see you in that. You, you just talk to people who are not like you. Number one, inv- number two, invite people to your home for a meal or coffee. We've got to learn to turn proximity into friendship. And that only happens through action. Serve alongside others. I love how we're serving alongside others as well and how that kind of diversity is growing within the church. Um, Together, I think together, we could become that great nation that comes as a model to the church, right? Where actually we, we, we come together around a cause that's bigger than us. And that means that we put aside our differences and our barriers and all of those things. And we learn to build bridges. We learn to live together as a blended family with Jesus as our Lord and as our King. In Matthew 20, in Matthew 20, Jesus is being talked about what's greatness, what's greatness by the disciples. And they're asking him, I want to be great. I want to be great. And he says, this is not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. And then it goes on to say, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus, who was great, he modeled greatness, not by power and control, but by love and servanthood. But by love and servanthood. And you and I get the opportunity to do that. Many years ago, a song came out which which we used to sing to death. And we haven't sung it for ages, but we are going to sing it today. And uh, it's simply called, How Great Is Our God? And remember when it first came out, I kind of looked at that song and I thought, I wonder how many people are thinking about that phrase as a question mark at the end. How great is our God? Question. And I wonder whether actually, and I felt God speak to me, the challenge on us is to live our lives in such a way that we turn that question mark into an exclamation mark. 
And so Andy, if you could bring that, uh, uh, unveil that. So what we've done here is um, we've, we've uh, chalked up there how great is our God, okay? And, and we're not putting a question mark or an exclamation mark. But what we'd love to do is as we sing this song, if you speak a different language or your, if your first language is a different language, and this is a risk, I know that. We, we would love you to come and to write with some chalk pens underneath there, how great is our God in your language. Is that okay? And I think that as we grow in our awareness of one another, as we grow in our love for one another, I think we, the church, Big C Church, could turn that question mark into an exclamation mark for others. And when the world looks at the church, instead of seeing a church, which unfortunately and tragically is often so divided and so polarised, they'd see a church that say, ah, that's what it means to get along with each other. That's what it means to put your things aside for the sake of something bigger. That's what it means to be a blended family. That's what it means to be a great nation. I don't think we've ever seen that. I think the shalom and the greatness of God is something we will experience in the future. You and I have to work together to make that happen. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your greatness. Jesus, we thank you for sending your one and only Son to live and to die so that all of those walls and barriers between us and you and us and one another could be broken down. And Jesus, as we worship you today now, and as we sing, how great is our God, may we not just sing it upwards, but may we look out at one another as well. And may we see a little bit of you in each other as together you bring us into your family, your blended family, a great nation, a great nation, not because of its power and wealth, but because of the way it loves and its compassion and its generosity. And so God, we worship you today in Jesus' name. Amen. I really love you to stand if you're willing and able. And we're going to sing and I really want to invite you, if you can write how great is our God in a different language, we'd love you to do that, okay? Uh, so really encourage you if you're able to do that, to come and help us to do that. That would be something very, we believe, prophetic and powerful for us as well.